listening to Spitball with Adri Ballhawk Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to the Divisional Weekend edition of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Ballhawk Mallows. With me this week is the legendary Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, sir? Hello, I'm very good, thank you. And how has your week been, my friend? Uh, very busy, lots of exams and lots of essays. Oh, well, yes, they're really starting to work you hard then. Uh, yes, universities start to knock up a notch and uh, playing catch up a bit now. Well, nice one for taking time out, as always, to uh, join myself and uh, all of the listeners for the recording of Spitball, so it's much appreciated. Let's move on now, because we had the divisional playoff round this weekend just gone by. Um, when all of the uh, forgive the innuendo when all the big boys joined in so uh, stole one from your camp there Marcus where would you like to start this week NFC AFC Saturday Sunday games where do you want to go shall we start the first game on Saturday yeah we can start with the first game on Saturday which was the Seattle Seahawks and New Orleans Saints so take it away this was the clash of the defences and um, it was always going to come down to uh, containment on both sides and I think the real story of the game came down to uh, the fact that if you look to the first half that the Seattle defence managed to hold Drew Brees to only 34 first half yards in the air and just staggering this is the lowest he's ever had in the first half of a game in his NFL career so worst time to get it in such a crucial game yeah and not just that of course they managed to hold him out in total for three quarters there's three big fat zeros in uh, quarters one two and three in the Saints scoreboard just keeping them off the off the board it, it, it showed enough and it was it was one of those games where I know some people were saying almost like you know once the two point conversion came in and they got within technically a touchdown within eight points and people were like getting a bit nervy I think at no point did really Seattle look like they, they weren't going to contest to it maybe they coasted a little bit at the end but I don't think they were in any threat of losing yeah I've got a couple of points as well to raise on this game firstly the field goal that New Orleans missed how about that holder? Laces out, Marino. Come on, what was that about, eh? <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, it wasn't great kicking conditions. The weather was atrocious. Oh, yeah, with um, all that rain and, and even a bit of skittle rain for Marshawn Lynch. A bit of skittle rain. There was definitely some skittles found on the pitch. At the same time, there were some really key fundamental sort of brain mistakes where, the, you know, just simple, you know, like at the end where, of course, we see, uh, is it Colston? Uh, yeah, Marquis um, Colson, yeah. He gets the ball and thinks time's expired, so he starts doing the whole schoolboy, uh, schoolyard lateraling, throwing it across the field, completely messes it up, when actually he could have got out of bound with about two seconds left and they would have still had a Hail Mary, but it meant they would have had a Hail Mary at the Seattle 40 rather than their 40. Well, I was actually reading something today um, on ESPN.com and it was saying that the play at the end of that game, the Saints lateral was actually a designed play it was just poorly executed so they had actually designed for Colston to lateral lateral it across the field to try and open up some space to then take it in for the touchdown so Ugh. poor execution yeah, as opposed to poor decision poor execution yeah poor execution but ultimately it sounds like the decision was made by the coaches because you know Sean Payton is always trying to get one over the opposing coaching staff so if it would have pulled off oh, it would have been trick. a hell of a play he loves a trick play yeah Absolutely, and the only other thing I want to talk about briefly, which I, I touched on a little bit in the blog this week, just purely because it is starting to grind on me a little bit, and I know we do have a segment for that, but you know that that's your bag. But um, the pre, <laughs> for example, the not just the pre-game, which but I want to talk about the pre-game more, but during the game, the trash talking 
personally I think it's getting a little bit embarrassing you know you have to be humble when you're as good as Seattle are this year you have to have a little bit of humility to you and I think if they're always trash talking they're always in people's ears and they're always making jibes what would you think Coach Courtney would have to say about the way that the Seattle players are acting at the moment? There's a lack of character. Well, they're showing their true character in theory. Well, it's what, I, what I feel that is that we get it. It's it's the playoffs. This is going up a stage. You know, like you said, um, this is where the big boys play. You you you're into the big game now. This you know, there's no room. If you don't feel like you should be here, get back on the bus and go home. But the fact is, just because you have to sort of like puff out your chest a bit, you know, puffing out your chest a bit's fine. It's, it's the after rules. I mean, oh, we saw one of them, um, I think it was Carolina, San Francisco, where we saw the, the sort of argy-bargy in the fisticuffs as well. Uh, another another very defensive game, but again, very trash-talky all the way through. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll come on to that game because there's obviously some some big things off the, the back of some of that action. But So with the Seattle Saints game, we'll just finish off then by saying ultimately it boiled down to the fact that the weather didn't help, it was in Seattle, and the Seattle defence just played phenomenally well to keep the Saints offence off the board for three quarters and then gave them a little glimmer of hope at the end but you say they were never really in danger of losing that, that game. No, Seattle have to uh, have to avoid coasting when they're going to come up against San Francisco. I don't think San Francisco will be affected so much by the weather. They fought through um, the weather conditions to get here. Um, what I think is really going to be the key is that defence plays as well as they have this week. Yeah, no, as well, again, we'll save the talk for the about the championship games next week till later on in the show. So let's move on to one of the other games. And do we go to the second Saturday night game between the Colts and the New England Patriots? Yeah, let's get Saturday out of the way first. Yeah, okay, so we're doing it day by day, as it were. So with the Colts versus Saints, I suppose it was a story of two quarterbacks. Now, not because of how they lit up the scoreboard but down to game plans and how despite the fact that one team in the New England Patriots doesn't have their main offensive weapon they are a true team and they have lots of other people that fill in and as I mentioned last week you know that I want to sound a bit big-headed now what did I say the best way for the Patriots to beat Indianapolis in that pass rush was uh, going playing the short game pretty sure I said it was to run the ball uh, you might have done that as well yeah, so to run the ball, the best way to counter the, the pass rush of Robert Mathis is just run the ball straight at them because then you're kind of taking him out of the game because his game is mainly rushing the pass and 19 and a half sacks for him this year. So by running the ball, you're eliminating that threat on the quarterback and Brady managed the game where he had to, but it was all about the New England Patriots rushing attack with their 243 yards, I believe they had on the ground on the day. That's where you're going to dominate in the trenches as well is that offensive line. The offensive line seemed to outclass and there wasn't really much penetration from any of the, the, the defensive front seven. And it just it just gave time for the holes to open and uh, LeGarrette Blunt. And there was a little bit of, like, we saw Stephen Ridley come out a little bit in the game, but it was mainly LeGarrette Blunt um, managed to, to get most out of the, the his offensive line winning the battle there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a few good plays by Indianapolis as well. I mean, there was some um, nice little throws to... Levon Brazil, there was like a 38 yarder and another just over 30 yarders. A couple of beautiful passes thrown by Luck, and and on the day it seems a little bit harsh, but he did get four interceptions. And I'm I'm kind of scratching my head and wondering, is it all on Luck's shoulders that he threw so many turnovers, or is there almost too much pressure on the the young lad? And do we think there are ways to improve that Colts team to stop all the pressure being on Andrew Luck? I think what's come down to it is now is is especially 
when there's they're in a chasing position, they focus too much on luck or or luck maybe makes makes the wrong decisions and they end up chasing the game and it affects the entire game plan. The game plan then goes into we have to throw. Don't get me wrong, there's some beautiful touch passing, perfect positioning in the ball sometimes, and other times he's just you can tell that there's a little bit of still a little bit of nerves maybe when once he hits the big stage, but that's fair enough. He's still getting new to the big stage. This will develop, but I definitely think that he needs some help. The offensive line didn't help him. He was getting far too much pressure, I felt. Yeah, and so he's not inherited the same line that Manning has really, had he? Because Manning had the massive centre in Jeff Saturday, who not only was one of the great offensive linemen of the game, but he was also a, a big play caller at the line of scrimmage and recognising defences and, and adjusting the line accordingly. So he's he obviously lost that big component of his offense last year and um i don't think they've really found anyone to replace that leadership have they on that front line not really no fair enough okay i mean i'm not too sure about who's actually in the offensive line i mean i i wish i could comment more but i'd have to research into the guys but from what i've seen from from the gameplay it just looked like that the schemes that were being run uh the defensive blitz packages just completely almost whitewashed at some points they were just completely baffled and uh, i think ultimately the trenches won, won and lost the game there because it meant Brady and the run game could be secured and it meant that you had luck throwing maybe hesitantly and their ground game seemed to cease after that. I think the one thing you have to notice from these big games even more so now is when they say that the game is won and lost in the trenches it, it truly is right and I think that is the perfect example of it there with with the Indianapolis offensive line letting New England get to them and the New England offensive line just pushing the defensive line of Indianapolis off the ball and creating all that that running space for Blunt and Ridley and uh, and Shane Vereen as well. But we'll we'll leave that there and we'll go on then to the first Sunday night game, which was Marcus uh, San Francisco Carolina. Indeed, this was one of those ones we were both looking forward to. We thought it was going to be good old-fashioned smash-mouth football. And you you mentioned earlier on there the the trash talking and bickering, as it were after the play so now feel free to talk about it and, and what you saw there firstly i mean i'll talk a little bit more about this later but a lot of cheap hits going on the guys know what is a legal hit nowadays and there was a lot of high hits a lot of sort of going for the sort of big kapow rather than the wrap-ups and i just felt there were, there were times when the game was becoming slightly detrimental I think Carolina were letting San Francisco into their heads. Absolutely, and there was a few big plays in the first in the first quarter, even where they'd got them into a, a third and short or third and long situation, and they'd even not completed the play, so effectively forcing a, a fourth down. But it was given away on the back of a big personal foul penalty because they couldn't. The Carolina backs couldn't defensive backs, sorry, couldn't help themselves after the play had finished. And admittedly, they weren't helped by the refs who were a little bit inconsistent this weekend because you had I'm sure it was in the Carolina San Francisco game wasn't it where we had a a headbutt or not really a headbutt by one of the Panthers players um which got flagged and then later on you had a receiver I think he might have even been Bolden who headbutted one of the Panthers players again not a vicious headbutt by by any means but still a headbutt and it doesn't get flagged at all so the lack of consistency there didn't really help because the Panthers obviously thought they'd be able to get away with some stuff but they were only letting the 49ers get away with it, which didn't really help. No. Um, yeah, and also, I think sometimes the game plan by um, Coach Ron, it's, you know, there was a lot of risk there. And like you said, twice they went for fourth down, um, didn't get it. And I think, you know, you take those points that they could have got, you know, does that change the, the aesthetics of the game where 
you know, if they'd gone rather than on the fourth down, you're saying maybe two field goals, that's another six points, that's 23-16, that's one score game. Or even t- if they could have pushed it forward for two touchdowns, you, you, you're sitting there, you've got a, a 24-23 game. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and it'd have been, uh, that would have been very interesting. I think the, the Carolina D in general, apart from the few stupid penalties, I think they had a, a good day. But really, it was the t- touchdown they conceded before half-time that was just a massive momentum swing and, and really put the game in San Francisco's favour. It was one of the ones where, really, we knew it was going to come down to this. We knew it was going to be which which outperformed the other. And to give them their due, on the day, they did. And, I mean, you saw how much pressure Cam was under, especially in the second half. There was just no way he was he was going to get any real true progression from from the offence. And again, guys, guys dropping balls, guys, uh, receivers, sort of dropping catches, tipping it up for defenders to, to intercept. It's not helpful. No, just just a couple of final things on that. I wanted to know why you think that that Carolina ran Cam Newton so much in the early part of that game. Why they were sending him on lots of draws, and he wasn't exactly sliding, was he? He was taking the hits every time. Yeah, I don't know if that's game design or whether he's been told to slide and being Cam, he's just being brazen about it. But, um, yeah, it did seem to floor and it seemed to become predictable. And then, of course, it meant that the defense was one step ahead of that chess match where they knew how to stop this and force them to throw, in which case they brought out all these lovely blitz packages, which Carolina offensive line just had no chance. And finally, just one thing to mention, you would quite easily have mistaken Colin Kaepernick for Alex Smith this week in the way that he was more of a game manager rather than setting the world on fire with his passing and rushing ability. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, that was definitely his role this week. Was the manager, uh, the game manager? He was. He, he was. He was tactful when he needed to be. He knew when to to um, hand off to Frank Gore, and he also knew when the play was busted and he had to use his legs. Um, he he did what exactly what he needed to as that sort of dual threat quarterback, where he didn't over rely on one of the one or the other. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we'll leave that there then, and we'll finish off with the San Diego Chargers at the Denver Broncos, so the late Sunday night game. Again, I wasn't really too enamoured with this game, so it seems to have been something about the Chargers in the playoffs this year that hasn't really uh, tickled my fancy, to be honest. But credit where credit's due, you know, they did keep the Broncos to one score a quarter, which I thought was very impressive. But what did you make of it, Marcus? Uh, what I made of it, really, how about Chargers being held to negative 11 passing yards in the first half? I know, that's just that unbelievable, is, that's a, isn't it? That's an amazing um, defensive feat. And I really think, you watched how the game developed. Now, Denver, like you said, they kept ahead of the score count and they managed to, they got a few penalties their way as well. We mentioned penalties and stuff, the inconsistency. But um, I feel that if San Diego had had the chance to, to break out and maybe keep up with Denver... Because, of course, they had that ma- brilliant fourth quarter with Allen just coming alive. Yeah, but, phenomenal. But um, I think if they managed to keep up through the rest of the game, it could have been a totally different story. Yeah, the defence was doing the best to help them out. Because, I say, to, only, to hold the Broncos to only one score a quarter, um, so that was three touchdowns and one, and uh, I believe we had two field... Oh, no, and a field goal in the year. Three touchdowns and a field goal. Um, got to get my maths right there, and again, it could have been a, it could have been like the San Francisco game where it could have changed on a big play before half time with that interception by Donald Butler in the end zone. And yes, that, that was brilliant work catching it, getting his feet in bounds. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the kind of thing that that, that swings games. And not to mention there was another one in the first half where Chargers D back had the uh, 
chance to pick off Peyton Manning, but just completely blew it. Oh, yes. Um, I mean, great job by Wes Welker because he did become almost like defensive back in that situation where the d defensive um, player had his hands on it. But he managed to get uh, Wes Welker sort of stuck his own paws in there and uh, and went for the breakup. And he, he managed to get enough of it that get his arm on the defenders and, and pry it loose. Great play. Let's leave the game round up there for the moment, but if you want some more information on the games or you want to check out the highlights from each of these four games, then I definitely think you should go over to our weekly blog, The Lowdown, at www.ballhawksnest.weebly.com and click on The Lowdown. You are listening to Spitball. So, Marcus... What's been grinding your gears this week? You know what really grinds my gears? Guys having cheap hits on the big stage. Guys, this is the playoffs. This is time to step up and show what you can do, what you've been doing all season, show that you are contenders for a title. It's not a time to start condoning down to cheap tricks and the banter that we saw. And we mentioned a little bit about this, but it's been grinding my gears. Um, cheap hits I'm talking about, we saw them like Ruffield Bush of New Orleans took that cheap hit on Percy Harvin, pretty much the the first second play into the game we had captain Mullen have a cheap hit on bolden in the 49ers um panthers game um you started watching it more that um the indianapolis game more game went on there was a couple of little bumps you saw that the bumps were getting a bit ferocious from the indianapolis guys clearly frustrated and it there wasn't any real need for this this is a time when you're supposed to step up be a man and show that you are true sort of leaders of this game and the fact that you can come on here and dominate the field it's not about the, the the schoolyard bravado of i'm better than you the whole the trash talking there just wasn't enough for it we saw pre-game there's like a scuffle coming up seattle new orleans guys seriously this is the nfl we need to be above this stuff we're supposed to actually be role models come on guys you need to think better than this you need to you've got to let the your actions on the field do the talking rather than going for the cheap hits to sort of try and make a statement and ah that's what's been grinding my gear yeah and you know what that's completely understandable and i i totally agree with everything you've just said there i think there's a degree of, of gamesmanship where during the game you may be chirpsing at the other player and trying to put a muff on whatnot but at the same time there is a, a level to it ultimately it comes down to letting your football do the talking and if you're a better player or a better team than the opposition you need to go out there and you need to show that and you need to show it and you need to do it in a fair clean way and there's no other way around it really so yeah well done Marcus that is a very good gear grinding this week and I will leave it there before I go off on a complete rant nice job way to get us over there babe. Hey, uh, old school game this is our game right this is our kind of game and now we move on to that special time of the show where we like to recognise the great performances every week with our offensive and defensive impact players. And that is otherwise known as our Mr. Lewis. Award and our <laughs> Award for defence and offence respectively. Marcus, where are we starting this week? <laughs> or... Is where we're starting this week then, yeah? Yep. Who's going first? You may have the pleasure. Oh, well, thank you very much, sir. That's very charming of you. Okay, so my runner-up, without further ado, this week is Navarro Bowman, linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers, 
with his 11 total tackles, one of which being a sack, was just all over the field. And the last few weeks, we've talked a bit this week about how players have just been trash-talking and not letting their games show who they really are. Bowman, on the other hand, has just gone about his business and shown like a true professional exactly what you need to do in the playoffs, step up, make plays, and not give the opposition any room at all on the field. Yep, completely agree with that. It's part of an amazing defence there in San Francisco. Absolutely. So who is your runner-up this week, or your silver my medalist? My silver medalist. My silver medalist this week is going to go to Alphonse Denard, cornerback for New England Patriots. Uh, yeah, see, the, the Patriots' defence, they definitely had to have some shout-outs this week, didn't they, I think? We don't really think of them as a very defensive team, but every time they seem to win championships, you know, mm, possibly hint, hint, they have a great defence. Um, hint, hint. Tackles, but most how many times have I said that Belichick gets the best out of that team and no matter how many times you write him off, he always finds a way to get that defence playing? Absolutely. And this from a Bills fan, guys, so we know it's legit. <laughs> That's a um... fair point, yeah. <laughs> I hate them so much, but dang it, I respect them. <laughs> anyway, two sorry, tackles, dude. <laughs> two interceptions, one which should have been a pick six. Now, out of the four interceptions that um, threw, a couple of them were kind of ricochets and tip balls. Uh, Denard's were both really good coverage interceptions. And like I said, he was unfortunate that he didn't get a pick six being pushed out of bounds at the two-yard line. And so for me, he sort of took out a lot of the time it was Hilton. I mean, you could tell that they saw, oh, Hilton did really well in the last game. Hence why I think Brazil had such a good game because they had Hilton marked up so much. And Denard did a great game of sort of almost shutting him out. So that's why he's still mad. Absolutely. And by almost shutting it out, you mean Hilton having over 100 yards, but he didn't have any touchdowns. So <laughs> there we go. Uh, but he did in general, to be fair, he had a great game. So we move on now to my winner of the Mr. Award. And this week I have given it to, drum roll please, Jamie Collins, linebacker from the New England Patriots. I was watching the highlights and every time there was a big play on the New England defence, it was this guy. It was Jamie Collins. Only six total tackles, but he had uh, one of which was a sack. He had an interception. He had a pass deflection. And as I say, every time you heard about the New England defence, it was this guy making a play. Did you see much of it, Marcus? Do you agree? Yeah, I think I think that was a brilliant defensive core throughout the entire game. And really, it took luck throwing some amazingly precisioned passes to even beat them yeah and I think in general I think anyone probably could have won it off that Patriots defense obviously we've had one in the runner-up and, and one with a winner now and it, and they just played a great game combined with the New England rushing attack so let's hear your winner Marcus before I digress too much well you said you had one silver medalist Patriot and one, sil uh, one gold medalist how about we flip it on its head and we do it for the San Francisco team with my winner being Patrick Willis, linebacker San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, it was so hard actually to pick between him and Bowman this week, but I ended up going with Bowman. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? 11 tackles, 5 solo tackles, one of them a sack and an interception. I mean, they really did sort of put the pressure on and they, they gave really the freedom for Kaepernick to just play that managing game. I think they didn't have to chase the game there had the game in the situation because they can where they wanted him and so for me I think with that call like you said silver medalist gold medalist I think yeah all around they're all medalists that uh, San Francisco and of course that New England team this week yeah big time so congratulations to our Mr award winners in Jamie Collins from the New England Patriots and Patrick Willis what you talking about from the San Francisco 49ers now we move on to the 
award, and I will let you go first with this one, Marcus. All right, thank you. My runner-up for the <laughs> award goes to Skills himself, Marshawn Lynch, <laughs> running back, Seattle Seahawks. We we've done it again. <laughs> Have we have we managed to match up a pair? We have. We've got a pair of lynches. We've got some skittles flying out left, right, and centre. They're coming out of every possible orifice for Marshawn Lynch, our runner-up. Would well, you want to finish off Marshawn Lynch's silver medal then? Uh, yeah, by all means. He had 140 yards on the ground, two of which touchdowns. Every time this guy plays in the playoffs, he brings it. When the team need a big play, they need to run out the clock. You can guarantee that he'll be there doing it. I mean, this week. Late in the second half, or in the fourth quarter rather, Seattle trying to run out the game. He decides that he doesn't just want to run out the game. He goes into beast mode and he breaks off a 31-yard touchdown run. Every time he touches the ball, you just don't know what's going to happen and how many tackles he's going to break. And yes, he did learn no. his trade at the Bills. Just I thought I'd throw that in there as well. So let's move on then to the <laughs> winners. Marcus. Possibly feeling that we might have this tied again, but I'll just roll with it, and it is... One, two, three. Blunt running back for New England. Yeah, indeed it is. I mean, the guy just had an outstanding game, but I'm going to let you fill the people in on what they need to know about LeGarrette Blunt's performance this week. 166 yards and four touchdowns. He was equivocally the main threat and weapon that really seemed to dominate through the game. He was breaking the through the, up the middle, uh, left, right. He was basically he was holding his own there through no matter how they were playing it. He was managing to re read off the defense, find the hole in the offensive line that they created for him to run through and just make the defense pay, really. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I can really add much more to that. The guy just had an outstanding game. We mentioned before about the 243 yards that the Patriots had on the ground. He obviously had 166 of them. Just complete and total domination by that rushing attack and more rushing yards this week than passing yards for the Patriots. So... A great performance all round, and congratulations then to our universal <laughs> winner, and that is LeGarrett Blunt, running back for the New England Patriots. Oh, y'all want the play? Okay, here we go. We've got gun, Hulk left slot. Dixie left, key left. Mercedes, wide chip, Ricky. Zebra left, 75, Katie. Omaha, quick go. <laughs> As Marcus clearly can't contain his excitement, for the championship games we have to kick off next weekend. I think it's only fair that we put him out of his misery and talk about them now. What do you reckon, Marcus? Yes, let's talk about them now. Let's do it. So let's start with the AFC, not that I'm being biased at all. And we have New England versus Denver. We have Brady versus Manning number 15 or number three in the championship game. So what do we think is going to happen? Basically, I think this is going to be an interesting test. It's going to be, it's going to be down. We've seen that um, weather conditions doesn't seem to affect the Patriots. They seem to know how to run their game no matter what. So it sounds weird, but this year seems to be very defensively based. Uh, I think these two have got very good offenses, and I think we could see a a bit of a shoot them out. Um, so it's going to be which which defense can sort of bend but not break. Yeah, both teams good rushing attacks. We know that both teams are very well coached sides. I mean, I would take Belichick over John Fox, just a personal preference, because I have so much admiration for, for Belichick and, and everything he does. You know it's going to be a, a tight game. And I think with how well that New England defense actually stood up and played against the, in, the quick receivers from Indianapolis, they're going to put up a good fight against those Denver receivers on the outside. I, mean, I don't think they're going to get thrown deep on too many times. It's going to have to be the short little dump-offs to Moreno. It's going to have to be 
running the ball with Moreno as well. I think if Denver are going to stand any chance of winning. But what have New England started to do a lot of recently? Run the ball. What's the best way to beat the the Broncos? Keep Peyton Manning off the field. And how do you do that? You run the ball. So it's going to be a really, really intriguing contest. And I mean, do you have anything else you want to add to that, Marcus? No, that, that pretty much broadly sums up and it's going to come down to those factors. Excellent. So we move on then to the NFC Championship game. Uh, both games, sorry, I should have mentioned, both championship games will be played on Sunday. The first one kicking off at 7.30 and the second kicking off um, help me out here, Mark. I think is it about twenty to eleven, eleven o'clock? I think the second one kicks off. Yeah, it's pretty late. I mean, it's uh, it's a six thirty kick off Eastern Time America, so that's what eleven thirty over 11. here. Then yeah, yeah. Well, get your Sky Plus boxes out if you haven't already uh, for that late game there, which is uh, well, uh, actually, is it the San? It's the San Francisco game, is it? That's the late game. Yes, yeah, San Francisco at Seattle. Excellent. So yeah, San Francisco at Seattle. Thanks for helping us out there, buddy. The 49ers offense, will they find a way to break through that Seattle defense? I think that will be the question. Can they? Have they seen enough from the Saints game that they and their, their two games against them this year? Do they think they can go up into Seattle? They saw the weather conditions. Do they think they can find the right sort of strategy to find some kind of weakness that they can exploit? Yeah, I think you may have missed that one because that kind of was my question for you. <laughs> will they? be able to find a way to break the Seattle defense Marcus <laughs> in a simple in a simple yes no I think we possibly yes yes I do think <laughs> they will so hardly a simple yes no there was it buddy but uh, okay you're going for, <laughs> <laughs> you're going for a do yes they will simple. do I do anything simple well well no you like to waffle yeah. on I like to rant on so that's why we make such a good pair I think but anyway, uh, yeah, let us know what you think of our combo. Do we make a good team? Let us know. Send us an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. Tweet us at ballhawksnest. Or, as I say, um, leave a comment on the bottom of the page on the website. So we carry on. The 49ers defense, Marcus, will they be able to contain the Seattle offense and beast mode? Uh, I think they will. I think we saw that against Carolina. That the manoeuvrable quarterback. Of course, there is that run game. I think Lynch might cause them a few more problems, but I think once they can shut down and make Seattle one-dimensional, it's going to be very difficult for them to then. I don't think I don't think Seattle could chase if that makes sense. If if San Francisco got ahead, I don't think Seattle have the ability to really chase. Yeah, because then you're taking away the game from their key strengths, which is Marshawn Lynch, because they're not going to be able to run the ball if, if they get sort of 14, 21 points behind. No, exactly. Okay, well, that concludes our roundup of the championship games, and join us in just a moment for our fun finale. I'm eating burritos bigger than you. It's time to go eat, baby. Let's eat. You got some hungry dogs over here. Apple! Orange! Orange! Hot potato. I don't want no crackers! Hungry, man. I gotta eat it. Feed him, he hungry. Man, you guys didn't eat your Wheaties this morning, did you? We eating all day, bro. We'll grind these guys up and turn them into little bitty eagle meatballs. Okay, so we're back now for our fun finale to this week's divisional show. And as you know, I like to put Marcus on the spot and throw things at him that he doesn't know anything about. So this week is going to see a return of our little pop quiz. Woohoo! <laughs> and this week, the subject is all four championship teams. So how do you reckon you're going to do? How well do you reckon you know the four contestants in this week's championship games, Marcus? Mm, uh, so-so. Okay, that confident, eh? 
On a scale of 1 yes. to 10, how confident are you? Um, I'm going to say about a Rams 5 or 6. Okay, that's that's fair enough. Well, I reckon you might surprise yourself. So let's see what happens then with a little bit of the old uh, music going on that Mark will put on for us. Question 1. In what year did the 49ers last win the Super Bowl? Ooh, interesting. I'm going to go for racking my brain. Ooh, I'd say something like late 90s, 97. Ooh, you were so close. So close. 1994. Ah. So, none out of one. Not a great start, but I reckon you can you can pull through. How well do you know the Seattle Seahawks and their past players? Not good. Ah, okay, this might be very, very awkward and there might be a few. <laughs> awkward balloons going up. Question two. How many Hall of Fame players have the Seattle Seahawks had? Is it two? That's close. Try again to give you one last guess. Three. Hey, there we go. And for an extra 50 points, can you name them? Pass. No, 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 he wasn't one of them. <laughs> Pass Junior? No. Uh, in which case, I give up. <laughs> okay, that's completely fair enough. Well, as you know, in the spirit of educating the listeners, as I myself actually got educated when I was looking this up earlier this evening, so the three Hall of Fame players that the Seattle Seahawks have are Warren Moon, great quarterback he was, Cortez Kennedy and Steve Largent. So there you go, there you have it. Okay, question three. How many postseason wins do the New England Patriots have, Marcus? Now, Brady's got how many rings? Uh, well, I'm hoping Brady only has one ring. <laughs> uh, no, I'm trying to think. What is it? Four, four wins to get to the Super Bowl. That's if you wildcard it. Yeah, but how often oh, have they wildcarded it, though? I don't know. I'm going to say... And this 18. is this is in history as well, so it's not just Brady yeah. era. We're talking back from when they were Boston okay. Patriots as well. In which case, I'll go to, from 18, I'll up it to 26. <whistles> okay, yeah, I've got to applaud your efforts. It's a little bit lower than that. Oh, go back to 18 then. Not quite that low, a little bit higher. <laughs> 22. Oh, so close. Right, I'm going to put you out of your misery. I think it's actually 23 postseason wins that the New England Patriots have. So, we finish off with question four. A Denver slash Peyton Manning question. And that is, how many times in their previous 14 meetings has Peyton Manning beaten Tom Brady? I think it's something like two. Oh, buddy. You've gone for a clean sweep of zero. (laughs) It's actually four out of the 14 games that Peyton Manning has won. Which is I knew it was pretty. I knew it was pretty low. Yeah, it's the Patriots have just had complete domination over Manning. Having the Brady in, in particular, obviously, has just uh, showed Manning how it's done when it comes to the the big games, with the exception of of those four. So, just to finish off, then actually, as, as I did say, it's going to be a fun finale. And I think we forgot to do this in the last segment. We said you thought San Francisco would beat Seattle. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, San Francisco over Seattle. Okay, so the next question and an easy one for you is going to be New England or Denver to win the AFC Championship game. San Francisco will meet in the Super Bowl, New England. So he's going for San Francisco versus New England in the Super Bowl and I don't blame him because actually I would choose those two as well out of the four teams we have left. I think ultimately New England and San Francisco have the stronger 
teams all round and perhaps I would say also the better coaching staff so there you go folks you heard it here first kind of uh, San Francisco versus New England Super Bowl should be a great one if it does actually happen must remember not to wear my new Seattle like trainers uh, if I want San Francisco to win on Sunday and that concludes the show for this week Again, if you want to get in touch with us about anything, you want to be in the show, then do send us an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. Tweet us at ballhawksnest. Leave a comment on the webpage. And also, if you're new to the game, don't forget to check out our Football 101 section, which is also on the website where you will currently find four lessons about the basics of the game and various positions and terminology that we try to cover on the show so that you can get an insight into the game. So, until next week, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by. <laughs>